Welcome to Rights Up Right Now, a podcast from the Oxford Human Rights Hub. I'm Kira Allman. In this episode, I'm talking to Evelyn Collins, the Chief Executive of the Equality Commission for Northern Ireland, about what leaving the EU means for equality law in Northern Ireland. In our last episode, we talked about the implications of Brexit on human rights in Northern Ireland and, more broadly, in the UK as a whole. We're sort of continuing that conversation in this episode by focusing on equality rights in Northern Ireland. Equality comes into play in relation to many other rights. Workers' and employers' rights, the rights of the elderly, the rights of people with disabilities, racial, ethnic, and religious minority rights, women's rights, and many, many more. Importantly, in the Northern Irish context, equality rights were central to the Good Friday Agreement, a negotiated peace agreement between religious communities divided by differences that cut across and extended beyond faith and identity. Inequalities of many kinds, in many contexts, create tensions, spur discrimination, and sometimes erupt in violence. It's no wonder, then, that the EU has played an important role both internationally and domestically in EU member states in developing and protecting equality rights in the interest of ensuring peace and security. UK and EU equality law has evolved very much in parallel, with regular exchange and cross-pollination. Today, equality commissions in the UK handle the protection and enforcement of equality law, the present Equality and Human Rights Commission, which is responsible for law in England, Scotland, and Wales, was established by the Equality Act of 2006. The Equality Commission for Northern Ireland was established with the Northern Ireland Act of 1998, a clear recognition of the importance of equality to the peace process. There are undoubtedly unique considerations and concerns with regard to equality in Northern Ireland, so we called Evelyn Collins in October this year to discuss the view of Brexit from within the Equality Commission for Northern Ireland. Thanks so much, Evelyn, for joining me to talk about Brexit and equality law. Oh, well, thank you very much for the invitation. Delighted to be talking to you this afternoon. Okay, so to get things started, can you tell us a bit about what the Equality Commission for Northern Ireland handles? What does it cover? We are an organisation that is a single equality commission. We have responsibilities across various anti-discrimination statutes here in Northern Ireland to promote equality of opportunity, to eliminate discrimination. We don't have a single equality act as there is in Britain um, presently, and that would be helpful, obviously. So we operate with the range of different anti-discrimination statutes covering religion and political opinion, gender, race, disability, sexual orientation and age. And we also have a particular role in respect of uh, important public sector equality and good relations duties that were established by the Northern Ireland Act of 1998. So as an equality commission, we were established also as actually part of the outworkings of the, the Good Friday Agreement um, and the introduction of the those statutory duties we were established in October 1999. I've been chief executive really since the start. Uh, it was one of the first tasks the Equality Commission did was to appoint its chief executive. Um, so personally, I have long experience um, and certainly have you know, been, been very engaged with the European level uh, work on equality over the period too. In effect, we 
you know, assist individuals with potential complaints under equality legislation. Three and a half thousand people contact us the la- each of the last five years. The ground about which people complain most here in Northern Ireland over those five years has been disability, actually, um, quite a wide range of disability complaints. Um, second has been gender. We still see a lot of cases of pregnancy discrimination, some cases of sexual harassment and so on. And then following that, we have cases around religion, belief and race and, and much lower numbers of, of potential complaints around age and um, and sexual orientation. So we have a role in providing information to you know, all of those inquirers and we assist some um, when they ask. We assist some with taking their, their complaints to into the industrial tribunals or county courts, depending whether they're employment or, or goods and services. We also have a key role in advising and supporting employers service providers, public authorities about their responsibilities under the various pieces of law. And we also have a role here in Northern Ireland to seek to influence public policy. You know, we we publish evidence of inequalities across the key areas of public policy, education, housing, um, employment and so on, and seek to try to encourage government, government departments to take steps to address those inequalities our website, um, hopefully, contains lots of information about that various aspects of work. So any of your listeners to this podcast want to go onto our website, they should be able to follow any areas of interest uh, that they have based on what I've said. And what's your background? How did you wind up at the Equality Commission working on equality issues? Oh, lovely question. I don't very often get a chance to talk about myself. Um, I did law at uh, university in Sheffield. Um, I grew up in Belfast and I wanted to be the first woman judge in Northern Ireland and um, went to Sheffield to study law and realised that I probably wasn't going to be a very good barrister, given that there was very many, very many articulate um, men in particular on the course that I was studying. And um, I I really didn't want to be a solicitor. So I ended up um, going after my undergrad. I ended up going to Toronto to study a master's in criminology, Toronto in Ontario, and became very, very interested in women's rights and how the law treated women and men differently across a whole range of issues, you know, domestic violence, obviously, being one, I wrote my thesis on police treatment of domestic violence in Ontario, but there were other subjects as well, like prostitution that I was interested in, and how how men and women um, were treated differently by the legal system. And that's really what led me to be interested to apply for. And uh, happily, I got a job uh, in the 1980s in one of the predecessors to the current Equality Commission, which was the Equal Opportunities Commission, which small body independent of government, obviously, like the Equality Commission is, which dealt only with um, the sex discrimination legislation in place at the time that had been introduced in 1976 here, um, equivalent to the 1975 Sex Discrimination Act in Britain. And it created a, a, an Equal Opportunities Commission with a specific role of you know, advancing sex equality, promoting equality of opportunity on grounds of, of sex and eliminating sex discrimination. And really, I worked there. Um, I had a period of two years working for the European Commission and its Equal Opportunities Unit um, in the late 80s, early 90s, which was fascinating. So, you know, I never, I probably didn't expect to be decades later um, still doing this, but I'm very, very determined that um, the Equality Commission here 
is making a difference and will continue to make a difference. And it is really much more of a vocation for me than a job um, I, I do. And that's that's what motivates me to, you know, continue the work here. It's, it's uh, we are making a difference to people's lives and that's important and particularly important in the Northern Ireland context. That's great. So how has membership in the EU affected equality law in the UK and in Northern Ireland, perhaps uh, specifically? I think if we're honest, um, and I think it's increasingly acknowledged, there's been, you know, influence both ways. There's obviously been significant in, in influence um, on equality law here because of the, the European Union. But it is also clear that UK's influenced the, the EU. You know, some of the UK's early equality law informed the content of EU's equality law from its early days, the Equal Treatment Directive, the you know Equal Pay Directive of the 70s. And um, it's also clear um, when the EU was looking to create equality legislation covering grounds other than gender, it's clear that lobby groups from the UK had a very significant impact on the ensuing directives. You know, particularly in respect of, of the race directive, the race discrimination on which Britain in particular, you know, had a very long history of protection. That said, of course, you know, the 2000 directives and as a direct result of the 2000 directives, um, we saw the implementation of protections for people um, on grounds of sexual orientation and on grounds of age and in Britain um, in respect of religion and belief. In Northern Ireland, we had had protection against discrimination on grounds of religion and political opinion since 1976, Fair Employment Act. That was a fairly direct public policy response to concerns about employment discrimination, in particular against Catholics in the public service and elsewhere, although, of course, the legislation provides protection for both Catholics and Protestants and others in terms of um, religion and, and belief. So, you know, it's abs- there's absolutely no doubt that the expansion of equality legislation to cover other grounds is a direct result of of our EU membership. And I'd also say, actually, our membership of the EU and the access, both the Court of Justice of the European Union decisions, and also the ability to refer cases to the you know, European Court have, in, in um, Luxembourg has been very helpful in clarifying the scope of EU law over the years. So, you know, there's been a good number of references from UK courts, including from Northern Ireland, one of the early cases on equality considered by the, um, I still call it the ECJ, because that's what we called it in the 80s, the, um, but the CJEU, um, was actually about the extent to which um, national security could be called into um, play in a case which involved a, a part-time woman reservist against the then police service here, the, the Royal Ulster Constabulary, um, where the you know our our, our Northern Ireland legislation um, had uh, an overly wide exception for reasons of national security, and that case went to be heard um, at the Court of Justice of the European Union, and they clarified and narrowed the scope. So I think that's very important too that access to the jurisprudence and, and you know the, the judiciary has played its part here in in applying um, European Union law on equality um, by and large um, effectively. So I think it's it's been hugely significant. Um, you know that the, the the UK joining the EU has been hugely significant for the development um, of equality of, of equality law. 
What's the likely impact of withdrawing from the EU on equality law in the UK? I, I, I think the key question is, or I think the key issue is there's still so much uncertainty around what things will look like after Brexit. It is clear the government's articulated intention is that the equality law which exists before um, withdrawal day will exist after withdrawal day. And, you know, the government has been quite clear um, that they want to be clear about that in order to give a bit of certainty to both workers and employers and so on. I think there has to be a concern about what happens after that. Um, and without the framework of the EU law being in place, is there scope for um, regression from the current level of protection? So the, we in the Equality Commission and indeed in common with the other equality and human rights bodies um, in these islands are, are across the UK are certainly quite clear that uh, we want to see no regression from the existing levels of, of, of protection and indeed we would go further, that we would want to see that changes to EU law, any changes in the future to EU law and any interpretations by the Court of Justice of the EU should continue to have effect in Northern Ireland. And I, I think that that is important. So there are issues to be concerned about going forward. And certainly we have concerns about the uh, that we, will, we, we have we have recommendations that we would like to see included in the withdrawal bill to try to minimise the impact and uh, minimize the impact of Brexit. So what are some of the unique equality considerations in Northern Ireland? Are there unique considerations we should be thinking about? Um, unlike other parts of the UK which have devolved authority, Northern Ireland has devolved responsibilities for equality law um, and that brings particular um, considerations into play in Northern Ireland. And there is a, a, a question um, about how far the government will want to treat equality law as part of a common framework across the UK, um, which it, you know, was in the sense that we all, each region has to apply the EU standards. Um, so the gaps that we have are based not on not complying with EU standards. So that's a, 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 a unique equality consideration for us here. There's a couple of others. I mean, self-evidently, we're the only part of the UK which has a la which shares a land border with another country which will remain part of the EU. Um, and there certainly are people living in one part, you know, living in Northern Ireland and working in Ireland and vice versa across the border. It might only really be travel five miles to work, but you could be working in a different jurisdiction than the one that um, you live in. And so that does raise issues around, um, you know, workers' rights, equality rights um, uh, across the border. And then there are very specific issues arising from our peace agreement, the, the Good Friday Belfast Agreement, which was, of course, 1998, um, that really needs attention being paid to it. Um, quality and human rights considerations were core to the, um, the Good Friday Belfast Agreement, and including, importantly, a commitment regarding the equivalence of the protection of rights in Ireland and Northern Ireland, and indeed relating to the rights of people in Northern Ireland to be Irish citizens. Now, that has been recognised by the European Commission um, in its recent EU guiding principles to the EU 27 um, 
uh, about the dialogue um, about Ireland and and Northern Ireland. And so that does raise issues um, generally. What are some of the concerns going forward when it comes to equality and the peace process? Well, I think the concerns really are what are the implications of Brexit for the ongoing um, ongoing um, peace process? I've mentioned the equivalence of rights issue that's there. So how do we secure that in the context of the UK's exit? You know, the citizenship rights, the Good Friday Agreement, you know, recognises that there are people who in Northern Ireland, living in Northern Ireland, who feel and want to assert their Irish citizenship and the, the Good Friday Agreement recognizes that very clearly and, and you know people many people have both Irish and um, British passports some have only Irish passports um, and and you know that that's an issue and what happens to them um, post um, any exit and you know as a, as a, as as EU citizens they have entitlement to certain rights and protections and, and you know how do we secure that that is in place here I think the other thing that that I mean we have said from early on, um, that the government should certainly consider and mitigate any potential negative impact of Brexit on equality and good relations. And, and that's certainly, I mean, the big issues around um, the, the support by the EU of the peace process here. And some of your listeners, you know, probably too young even to remember, actually. But, but um, uh, you know, the, the EU played a very important role in the lead up to um, the, the peace process through things like um, successive peace programs. We now have a program called Peace Four. Um, the EU funded a lot of um, work in Northern Ireland aimed at supporting peace and reconciliation, aimed at supporting equality and, and good relations work, aimed at supporting social in, inclusion. So, you know, um, and a, a lot of a lot of a very active practical support provided um, by the EU uh, and not only in Northern Ireland, but also actually in the border counties, you know, ac- across the border in the south. And, and actually even more broadly than that, not just focused on the, you know, peace programme and the peace money, but actually groups and certainly from the voluntary community sector in Northern Ireland have benefited more broadly from EU funding. You know, the women's groups have had access to EU funding, um, not only to support peace building, but other funding. There, there's, you know, um, programmes to support employability um, for people with disabilities um, and so on. So there's been a, a lot of money um, that has been able to be used here to address the kind of issues that were certainly exacerbated by our long history of the troubles in Northern Ireland and, you know, had a key role in seeking to address social and economic deprivation, training and employment, you know, social enterprise, health and well-being um, and so on. So there's a concern about the impact of withdrawal of EU on all of that work um, as well. But actually, you know, it's been very helpful. There's a lot of um, policy work um, at EU level that has been very important for us to be able to draw on. It's also been important for groups and networks and the equality body here in Northern to be able to share our experiences and learn from others in similar situations. So there's a concern about you know, loss of, loss of um, funding potentially for networking. Um, there's certainly a concern in, you know, European, in, in amongst other European countries about the potential reduction of a budget generally and, and 
Equinet, for example, the European Network of Equality Bodies, has called on, you know, has said there should be no um, diminution or there should be no disproportionate cuts to what the European Commission does in respect of supporting equality initiatives, you know, at EU level. And I think that has to be a concern also. What have been your specific recommendations on the EU withdrawal bill? I suppose there are three or four particular recommendations. First, we, we certainly think that um, there should be a provision in the bill that ensures that the withdrawal agreement provides, as regards equality rights in Northern Ireland, for non-regression of rights, for equivalent standards of protection with the Republic of Ireland in respect of equality rights, and the changes to EU law and interpretations by the Court of Justice continue to have effect in Northern Ireland. So that means really no change and any future changes. For example, we know there's a discussion going on at the moment of an accessibility act at, at uh, EU level, and there's also the Women and Boards Directive you know, uh, on, on the table still. So if those get adopted, we think that they should you know, be applied in, in uh, Northern Ireland. So that's one, uh, 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 you know, the, the clauses that provide that the withdrawal agreement very clearly spells out non-regression and so on. We also have a, a, a talked about um, international trade investment going forward, and certainly we, we think that should be captured in a clause, a new clause in the withdrawal bill that would prohibit the UK government from agreeing or ratifying an international trade or investment agreement that would require or permit the reduction of any protections for human rights and fundamental freedoms in Northern Ireland, including obviously those relating to non-discrimination and equality. So we, we think that is pretty key. We know there will be a focus on on trade and we wouldn't want to see anything agreed on trade that would undermine um, the, the international obligations that the um, UK government has. So that's uh, that's important. Um, I suppose the other ones we have are, the other ones we want to see protected is effective scrutiny of any proposed changes. So we don't like the um, use of delegated powers to amend equality laws in Northern Ireland. So we think that should be prohibited um, in the withdrawal bill. And we also think, and mindful of the um, protections provided by the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights, um, we think that should simply be incorporated into EU law. We do think that there are um, advantages of that going forward. We have concerns that you know its removal would lead to a lessening of um, protections here, and we'd want to try to protect against, you know, to to, to ensure um, against that, um, and that individuals in Northern Ireland, as well as hopefully other parts of the UK, um, you know, continue to benefit from what they already benefit from. Okay, and what about the views of equality bodies across the EU on Brexit? Have you been involved in discussions at that level at all? Um, I've just finished chairing the Equinet, which is the European Network of Equality Bodies. Um, I've been chair for the last four years, and it's been really fascinating to see how much sharing and learning there is to be done across equality bodies um, in, in Europe. You know, we are quite different sometimes in terms of size, resources, powers and duties, the strategies we adopt, yet we all work uh, very hard in our respective member states to advance equality in Europe and collectively um, the experiences and the expertise we have that, you know, Equinet 
publishers' perspectives on. And Equinet has a very, very good website, again, for any of the listeners who want to explore a little bit about, more about what's happening on equality at, at European level. Um, we, we, we gather experiences of equality bodies and um, you know put it into the public domain with a view of influencing um, equality policy at, at EU level. Um, and on Brexit particularly, Equinet um, co-hosted a seminar with Claude Moraes, a British MEP, and um, a group in the European Parliament called the Parliament's Anti-Racism and Diversity um, Intergroup, which focused particularly on the impact of Brexit on equality and anti-discrimination in the EU and the UK. And it was very much... Um, uh, looking at you know the, the the mutual influence that there had been between UK and and EU over many years, so you know there was also concern expressed that clearly there's going to be a reduction in the EU budget and a concern that that doesn't have a disproportionate effect on mm-hmm. equality and non-discrimination. Equinet itself, for example, is supported by a grant from DG Justice, um, and that's important to enable the work uh, of equality bodies to be shared and you know, learn from each other. There's a general sense that it was, you know, we, we need to find ways to ensure close cooperation on equality and discrimination continues to exist between the UK and the EU afterwards. Um, but actually, the statement that the, the, the statement that went out, my quote in the statement was, um, the EU is really a valued champion for the values of equality and non-discrimination. And Britain and Northern Ireland have made significant contribution to advancing these values and the policies that are required to underpin them at national and European level. We would hope that any future relationship would enable this contribution to be sustained and would be designed to lead to a further strengthening of these values of equality and non-discrimination, both in the EU and beyond. It sounds like there's actually a lot of work being done on this. There are a lot of organizations keeping a close eye on equality issues, even if it's not an issue that's necessarily gotten enough public attention recently. There are a range of of, um, organizations working on trying to secure the best possible deal in relation to equality going forward in the Brexit negotiations and and the withdrawal bill. And certainly the more we can work together, whether academics, equality bodies, trade unions, civil society, politicians, you know, the lawyers, practicing lawyers, the more that we can work together, um, certainly I think the better for a good outcome. Well, thank you so much, Evelyn, for speaking with me about all the work you've been doing on equality issues in relation to Brexit. Thank you very much for your interest. Rights Up, Right Now is a podcast from the Oxford Human Rights Hub. Subscribe on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.